Hey, g'day there, fellow humans. Mark LaBusk here for the Simply Practically Human podcast. In fact, it's a co-share with the great uh, Tiff Cook from the Roll With Your Punches or Roll With The Punches podcast. Sorry, Tiff. Geez, don't give too much away. Motorbikes, judgment, filters, personalities, just listening to what we like to hear rather than what we need to hear. And um, as we always do, we freestyle a bit, but there's some bloody gold in here. I'll tell you right now, have a listen and uh, we'll catch you at the end. Life can get pretty complicated. In the Simply Practically Human podcast, Mark LaBusque talks to incredible humans to see the way forward more clearly through the complexity in the world and in our heads. Let's get ready to thrive. Mark LaBusque. Here we are, 2024. Gee, you've been avoiding me. You've been on holidays again, mate. Still am. <laughs> Last time I saw you, you couldn't put your hair in a ponytail, and now look at you. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's... Um, the 2024 model of Mark LeBusk is yeah. uh, surf boy. Well, yes, just trying to change my appearance. I've got my, my brilliant creative sister at the moment using photos of me like you used to do when you went to school you get your photo every year when you went up <laughs> yeah she's doing one because it's 10 years for me this year out running my own gig and um she's going to do a like a, an adaptive 10 years from the first photo which is a a corporate looking wanker who said he was going to be different to all the others but looked exactly the same through to what you said what do i am what i am today so yeah it's it's changed we've got to change tiff we've got to be comfortable in being uncomfortable with others saying, like, I don't like how you look now. Mm, mm. It's funny. I was only recently, uh, yesterday I'd put a photo up of my new purchase, my new motorbike, and my niece, she wrote, it brings back memories. She goes, I can just see your hair, your pink pixie haircut blowing in the wind like it's 12, 2007 again. <laughs> and it just made me reminisce about, it just gave me this, like a snapshot of a memory of when I was in Tassie and I had pixie cut hair and it was dyed bright pink and, you know, it was just – and then just I had a similar haircut here and it was platinum blonde until COVID came along and, you know, it's just reflecting on – just I took a moment to think about how who, who I was but, and then also who people think you are because of the way you present and the effect that that has on – how you interact and who you become or who you think you are. It's, it's fascinating that, first of all, we're very judgmental and the first thing we judge on is appearance. So um, I reckon we could talk a little bit today about, you know, we've got to judge because we're trying to work shit out about other people and ourselves and whatnot, but we can't see what's what's beneath the surface, what's really going on for the person. And um, one of the ways to do that is is to do the work of yourself. And um, I know you do that because, you know, I've seen some of the stuff you've been posting recently about you and what you're doing and what you're working on and all of those things. Are you still, what, what are some of those little practices you picked up in 2023 oh. that you're continuing on? Um, what went well today is my, yeah. my journaling prompt of the night and I'm still doing that. That's been great. I've got a, a brand new thing that's popped into my world literally 24 hours ago. And I want to talk about that a bit because um, yesterday my my Garmin watch packed it in and I just spent a stack of money on this new bike, right, and then my watch packs it in. And I just mm. go, oh, come on, I don't want to be buying a new watch at this time. But 
I am overwhelmed with the feeling of not having data strapped to me. Like I cannot even explain. I don't even know if I've got the words to explain the sense of relief that I didn't even know I needed and the calming of the thinking and looking. and It's like there was this whole other pathway of thought happening 100% of the time in my mind that was aware of that watch and the data and all of the stuff. Even, you know, when I started tracking my sleep last year, which was great because I got to track what worked and I got to see the data that my sleep had increased by an hour average a night when I implemented those little things at the beginning of last year. But last night I got to bed, I I went to a life drawing class. We can talk about that too later. Um, And I got home later than normal. And normally if I'm getting into bed at after 10, I end up really wired, don't sleep and won't get to sleep till early hours. But I got to sleep and I woke up this morning and I felt more refreshed than ever. And normally the first thing I do is get up and look at my phone to go, well, how much sleep did I have and how did I get the deep sleep? Because I'm so light on, I just can't fix that deep sleep. And it's like my body just went, I feel good. I know I didn't take long to get to sleep. I feel really rested. And there's no data increasing my stress telling me, oh, yeah, but you didn't get any deep sleep. There's a couple of things here. One is I like to have data available and to use it when I think it's useful to be used. But then it can, then it comes to a point, which I think you're describing a bit there, is that it can be data for the sake of data sometimes. That, um, and we are so caught up in having to measure stuff. Like there's the old management saying that if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. But I think that there's some validity to that because there's some things we really need to be able to measure. But what about feeling like you felt well-rested? Yeah. What if you had gone to your data and your data had shown you that you hadn't had as good a quality of REM sleep? That's maybe what you were almost every night, so, almost so, every night. So what if, so then you get into an argument with your data because you're saying to yourself, I've actually slept, gone to sleep early and feel well rested, but the data's telling me something else. Therefore. It is our tendency to ignore the intuitive feeling parts. Yes. To take on the the numbers that that come up. And look, I'm not I'm not anti numbers, but I also have a bit of a view that we ignore the intuitive stuff. Yeah. And we do that at our detriment. And it's the narrative. that I think for myself it's the narrative that becomes really dangerous because I've had this narrative for so long now that I've done everything I can and I've researched so much about the importance of deep sleep it's the most important part right for your brain health for longevity for performance for everything it's that's the bit that matters and that's the bit I'm probably I reckon 15 to 20 percent of the time I get enough deep sleep and sometimes I get next to none and so my narrative is I don't ever get enough sleep and it's bad for me and and I'm going downhill and I can and I've and there's literally I feel at a dead end aside from going and finding the best expert in the world to fix me because I have done as much research as I can and everything I feel that's in my control I'm I've tried. Mm. So I'm sure that 
those listening can relate to what we're saying. I'll give you a real live example from yesterday. I, I'm, I'm, I've got a 5.15am PT yesterday and I'm I'm up at 4.45 and I actually wake up pretty fresh. I'm not like stumbling around looking for shit, but about two minutes into my drive, which is a 10-minute drive to the PT studio, I'm like, I've forgotten something. And then I realized I'd forgotten my um, my heart rate strap. Oh, yeah. And then I went into a little immediate panic of like, oh, fuck, I know what happens when I'm working out and doing a strength-based training and I'm I'm gripping the bar and I've got my watch on and and it, it seems to impact on what my heart rate gets to. So now I've got my strap and then it's not going to show me the right data. I'm having this conversation with myself. And then I just went, fucking so what? Like, I'm actually still going to do the training session. Mm. Um, I'm still going to get the value out of it now. If I'm basing the the value of the session on how many calories I burn, and if it's ten less than what it was last time because I didn't have the heart rate monitor on, my narrative is I didn't work hard enough potentially. Whereas what it could be is that it just doesn't quite pick it up as well, and and that's weird. And you were talking about my hair before. I just want to I'll share this with you. My daughter Zoe has decided to start the she was doing her own one-to-one PTs, but she's now decided to join me. So she comes with me three times a week now. And when we get there, I bring my brush with me and my hair tie because I can't do it myself. And um and we walk in and the first thing Zoe does is she she ties my hair back. And our trainer Jackson, he just walks past and he's How just do you not do it yourself. Because I haven't I, I there's not enough hair there yet for me to be able to grab it and make it. Sid, it just it ends up with like I look like the that <laughs> professor out of uh, Back to the Future when I have a crack at it. There's shit going everywhere. So, um, um, but anyway, look uh, back to the point. Don't be so caught up in in if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And I know that from my work is that a lot of the reason that the ultimate measures of success in business are successful, as in profitability, engagement, whatever it might be, is because it's happening from things that we can't measure. It's connection, it's belonging, it's mm. compassion, it's vulnerability, it's all of those things. And it's not like we don't have a KPI sheet to measure those human qualities, which ultimately get us to where we are. Like, you know, for you, for you, with your consistency, the persistence, the the, the willingness to tolerate the pain that comes with what you do and anyone that's training, we're not got a KPI sheet to measure that stuff, but that's what ultimately is going to get the data that comes out that you like. I'm a bit like you. If I haven't got that data, mm. I'm like, oh, fuck, well, what am I going to do? Because I sort of, I wait every Tuesday, My, I get an email from Garmin that says, here's your week. <laughs> and then it says, it's also then got, here's what your last week looked like. Well, guess what happens if any of my indicators are lower yeah, than last week? It's yeah. like, fuck, that's a fail. But, oh, well, I had to go to Singapore last week for three days. So it was down a bit. Take that into account. No, I know the data's worse. Well, then you go into a fucking tailspin about I didn't work hard enough, haven't yep. done enough, I better go into a session now. Um, They're all judgments on ourselves. I went for my first run this morning with no – I put the Strava on in my pocket, but that doesn't give me any – that just tracks the distance and the time and the pace and it's less accurate because I could tell that it wasn't as great GPS-wise. But what I liked was the things in my head and, and being able to negotiate with myself about what matters. Like 
yes, data matters because I was like, oh, I want to get a watch again because I'm torn because like, I want to watch so that I can track my running properly when, I'm, when I want to progress, which is not right now, Mark. Like right now running is just me getting out and doing a comfortable pace. I'm not pushing, I'm not tracking anything, but I'm still looking at the data and beating up on myself in the middle of the not being in a phase of wanting to improve the performance specifically. So isn't that like it's a paradox? It's, it is. Yeah, I, I'm saying it doesn't matter, but yet I'm making it matter. When you say things like it doesn't really matter, that means it does matter. It's a bit like when you say, I'm sorry to say this and you're not sorry <laughs> to say it. Like it's a bit when you say, to be honest, why aren't you being fucking honest? Like we go with that. It doesn't really matter. Well, yeah, it does. It does matter. And what matters to me with that data is the one that I really miss if, if my watch is up a shit is heart rate. Yes. That's the key for me because most of my stuff will be either like long, slow, um, recovery type, you know, heart rate 128 to 130 because I'm an old fuck and that's where you need to be, boring session or then it's a high intensity session. But if you can't see it, like if my heart rate gets over 170, that's when I start to feel like I'm blowing bubbles. Mm. But if I reckon if I didn't have that going, my heart rate could be at 150 and I can't see it and I could, I might, be like, oh, I'm really blowing bubbles here. Where you're not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward. I'm, I'm. So I'm going to do Garmin Feb fast. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So it, because it's so, the so first nothing. of February. Yeah. As we record this, anyway, and um, so I'm going to go Garmin free. I'll still use my Strava when I run, but I mean, I because I don't use. I don't know. I use it for everything else, but. That's, now I do expect you to, to put this in your diary, February the fifteenth. Yeah. I'll be in Tassie. I turned 57 that day. Do you? Are you a having a party? Can you not no. have the party until I'm back? I'm not having a party. Why not? No, 57's not a party. 60's a party. Oh, I'll up and turn 60 then. I will. I'll get there, hopefully. In, all, all going well. I'll be there in three <laughs> years' time. But uh, yeah, another year, 57. Geez, that's 57, eh? Um, wow, hey. So let me digress a little bit because I know you do a lot of this work, but like at 57, you'd be thinking to yourself, an old dog, can it learn new tricks? Is there other things it can learn about itself, uh, things it doesn't want to know about itself? I just signed up for, and he's a controversial person, this one, but I like his work because he's challenging, a guy called Jordan Peterson. Oh, uh, yeah, right. So I just signed up for his um, his five lecture program, which is around personality. What do you like about him? Um, I like that he is provocative. I like that he is willing to stand his ground on his beliefs and a lot of his beliefs, uh, we experience based, but very much research based. I, I like that he's been able to accept that people are going to come after him, but he's going to stick to what he believes in. I think that's important. Um, what don't you like about him? He must be quite an introverted chap because watching some of his video, he seems to not want to be an eye contact type person. Like when you're doing video, you sort of expect that if you're talking to people, you'd be talking to people, but he seems to look down a lot. And I don't actually think he's reading notes, but there's something about him where it's like, I don't know, I think he's a, that's a, he's a bit withdrawn, he's a bit introverted. And I shouldn't say I don't like introversion, but I'd like him to be a little bit more somewhere a bit closer to maybe not quite there, but like closer towards a Henry Rollins type when he turns up on the uh, 
mm. thing. But yeah, so do you have you seen Peterson's work? He's an interesting one because I have I, I don't like him. There's something about him that I've that I've really disliked. So I've been aware of him for a while. I haven't dived into a lot of his work and I've only put that under the microscope in more recent times. Like what is it about him that I don't like? Is it this and like I he comes across very arrogant and not personable and I don't know if it's that depersonalization that grates me or if I've maybe in the past listen to some of his stuff and not agreed with it. I don't know if there's stuff that I can't remember that's fueling it or if it's just the energy that I see and feel from him that puts me up, that I make a judgment. Yeah, and or, or Tiff, all of the above. All of the above has created the the judgment or the perception. There's assumptions that you're making. Like, yeah. Um, I've said for a while now I'd like to probably listen or expose myself to a bit more of him just to get to actually know, because I do feel hypocritical because I'm like, I pay no attention to him and I dislike him. Well, this could even trigger you or even your listeners more. Um, one of the best interviews I've heard him do is on the Joe Rogan podcast. Now, even right. when I mention his name, Joe Rogan, people be like, fuck, I'm not listening to Mark anymore because he listens to Joe Rogan. Like, that's <laughs> that's what happens. That's that's sort of what happens with this stuff. And I, you know, I've talked about this before, the um the three Ds, disciples, doubters, and detractors. It's really easy for us to go, I don't like Peterson. You know, I, I there's certain people in the in certain spaces that are overly politically correct. And I'm like, well, I don't like them. So therefore I'm not going to allow any of their data to come in. I'm going to filter that out into the that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, now, until we're prepared to go, you know what? I don't particularly like him. I don't like that he seems to be a bit withdrawn and he's not personable and whatnot. But then you got to go, what about if I could get underneath, I'll get past that and then go, let me just have a listen to what he's got to say. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with it, but it's going to allow me to accept that there are some different perspectives. There's there's these different stages of adult development and, um, you know, our ability to to move from just getting caught up in everything that somebody says is right because they're – and usually they're the authority or, you know, they might be the parent or whatever it might be. So I'm just going to follow that. The next stage is where we sort of go, I'm filtering information now but I'm filtering information in a way that says I'm going to accept the stuff that I agree with and and not necessarily accept the stuff that I don't agree with. So we we put a filter on things. And then the third one is, is that I've got to be prepared that perhaps my perspective, my beliefs, and the behaviors that that creates, I need to start to challenge them by not filtering that information anymore, but letting it in and going, Maybe that's starting to change my beliefs as well, and uh, and that's hard to do because once you decide that, like Rogan, Peterson, whoever it might be, if you decide that they're no good, or if somebody says, "Why do you listen to them?" and all of a sudden I don't like you very much because you listen to those people, it's like, mm, fuck, I... what, what sort of world are we creating when we start to decide that? Like you know, I'm I'm worried about you riding a motorbike. Because I've seen horrible things happen to people on motorbikes, and they happen in cars and all sorts of stuff. But I'm not going to be like, "Well, fuck you!" I'm not going to be talking to you anymore because you now got a motorbike. I did ask you before if you knew any other people I could podcast with, just in case something happens to you. But ask the busks, stop yeah, it. Anyway. But anyway, um, Peter, I've got so, a so, great, I've got a great example of a someone who's 
for me, very unlikable, but their their content is is pretty spot on in terms of everything else I value. And that's why I think I've got a real propensity to value people's the way they interact and make other people feel and their authenticity and their their I guess their treatment of others. And Lane Norton, do you do you follow him? Oh, I know the name. Bio Lane. Bio yes, Lane yep, on Instagram. Yep, yeah, bloody yep. hell. And he calls people out. Big, you know, big names. I had a guy on who works with him on my show. And when I looked up his website, he's got this huge testimonial from um, Lane. And I said that to him. I said, well, if you're getting a testimonial from that guy, you're doing some right in the science space. But he, this guy, Alan Flanagan, he actually put the seed of doubt in my mind about Andrew Huberman of all people and, mm. and the integrity of his work these days on the now that his podcast has blown up and diversified. And the other thing I was going to say is I used to have a friend who who would share a lot of stuff about other people that and I had to eventually kind of say to myself, this is her interpretation of the events. And she would by the time I would meet people in real life, I would already dislike them because I'd heard their version of how they've her version of how they've treated her or done so, you know, like, and I really dislike when I feel a sense that I've created a dislike for someone based on someone else's story when I haven't met them yet. I hate that. I hate yep. doing that because it's hard to remove that because I feel straight away I'm like, ah, you're that person. <laughs> well, well, this, this is really interesting because it happens in all aspects of life. And, you know, if people are listening and they're in the workplace, they'll relate to this one. If you've ever been in a position where you've you've taken on a new role as a manager or something like that, or maybe in a team, there's always somebody who wants to give you advice about the people in the team. Mm-hmm. So watch out for Mark. Hey, Tiff's pretty good, you know, whatever it might be. And 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 look, I could say that I'd fallen for that over time, but these days it's a bit like when I run my programs now and, and someone will say, I'm going to send Tiff along. I'll just give you a couple of things about Tiff. And I'm like, listen, I appreciate it, but, to save <laughs> your breath because I, I want to go in. I want to go. It's a bit like when someone spoils a show for you. I want to go in fresh. Yeah. But there's also something inside you going, wouldn't that information be really useful for me yeah. to get a bit of a head start? So we got to, you know, sometimes you want to take some information because it's going to be helpful. What about this? I yep. want to query this. Is there a way to do it? What do you remove in order to make it useful? Because I had a friend recently saying she had to do some teaching recently and she's a nutritionist. She had to teach a component of this particular course and there was someone in the class that was just full keto crazy and just loudly interrupted everything and made her, her job like hellish. And she she said like it would have been really nice to know that so how do we deliver information about someone but know that we're not delivering our own person in a way that's personal bias? I don't. You know what? There, I reckon there'd be a scientific research-based answer for that. My bogan answer is I don't think we can. I remember doing when I when um what was her name? Goodness. Oh, there was one of my podcast guests came over here. She does like embodiment stuff. It was a bit woo. It was quite woo woo for me. And she she said, "Come along to the day that I'm holding." She, Michaela Bohm, that's who. She co-hosted Sex, Love, and Goop with um, what's her name on Netflix? Yeah, I'm good with names today. Anyway, regardless, went to her thing, and one of the first exercises we did was staring into people's eyes, standing yep. in front of strangers, staring into their eyes, and. 
then the next progression of that was then telling them what you observed, but then, and I can't remember exactly, but there was boundaries in terms of you can tell them what you observe, but you can't put a story or a judgment onto it. So it had to really like there was, yeah, in the what you were delivering, you weren't allowed to skew it into your own perception of something. How do you know that you haven't? Yeah, we don't. And you have. Because the thing <laughs> is, like, seriously, like, you walk into a room. I'm sure many of your listeners play this game anyway, and it's part of judgment. Like, I, I play the game of lookalikes all the time. Yeah. And as soon as you see someone and you go, well, they look a bit like this person, you're delving into that fold you've got in your head that's like, well, they must be like this. If they look like that person, they must be a bit like that. Like, geez, he looks a bit rough and ready. He or she looks like this, or she reminds me of someone I went to school with and I had a great experience or I had a shit experience with them. So mm. uh, how do you how do you combat that? I think you've really got to elevate what what I call the two A's, awareness and adjustment, like awareness in the moment to go, is this thought that I'm having right now, is it helpful or harmful for both me and the other? thing, person, group, whatever it might be. And if it's harmful, I need to adjust. And I need to adjust in the moment to go, what else could be going on here? Mm. If it's helpful, and who knows what helpful and harmful, I think I know what harmful is. It's like the motorbike. Fuck, I didn't really think, I know Tiff's had a motorbike before, but I didn't really think that at this stage of her life, I know, you know, she's doing what she's doing and she's getting back into doing some of what she's done in the past in the ring and stuff. And fuck, is this the next step? Oh God, what's going to come next? Fucking hell. <laughs> um, I thought, I thought I knew her better than this. And I thought she was a bit more sensible at the age she's at. Like I can, all of these conversations are going on in my head and then I got to go, that's actually not helpful because the person hasn't changed. I've just added data now, which is anyone who rides a motorbike, is fucking, it's death on wheels is what I call it. Three words, death on wheels. Well, it's funny, right? Here's the clincher. When I, recently I was on the back of someone's scooter, not even a bike, scooter, and this is what got me across. And I'd been in my mind a bit because I realized suddenly that last time I had a bike, none of my mates had bikes. I had a job where I was required to take my car so I couldn't ride to work. And I'd started just started getting into boxing. So I was at the gym all the time. I was like, well, this, there's no time to ride. And I was living in the city. Like when I lived in Tassie, all the road, you're five minutes from a beautiful road and you can just go out and it's it's gorgeous. But here I was like, well, I'm living in St Kilda. I've got to get out of St Kilda to get somewhere to ride then to ride. Like I just don't have time. I realized that I've got about seven friends that have motorbikes that I could ride with. But it's interesting. Oh, yeah. So I get on the back of this scooter and just this, full-bodied presence, that there was nothing but the road and there's no autopilot. Like even when I drive, it's autopilot with that busy, busy head. And I just was like, oh, here's some mini moments that I can completely switch off. But it is interesting, your interpretation. So a couple of people that have said, oh, like, oh, I'll be safe. And I'm like, I I wonder because of my my character and the bloody – stuff that I do, the perception people have of me, I was like, if I wasn't me, I'd probably th- think that I was a 
crazy rev head that's going to thrash that thing too. I was like, people don't realize that I'm probably more scared of it than mm. than it is of me. Like I'm a nana. I just, I, you know, I don't throw a bike around like that. Yeah, look, thought, yeah. Look, for me, it's not. A, I wasn't thinking that. Mine was more about the bike. And it's interesting because yesterday you're just about to turn into our street here in, in downtown Brunswick West, and and driving up Melville Road, you know, two lanes either side of the road, and but then this fucking ass clown on a motorbike starts weaving in and out of traffic and sort of going right. But but you know what was good for me? That actually just fed more data into my um, filing cabinet about you know it says motorbikes uh, in brackets ass clowns. Yeah. <laughs> Within that file, there should be a section that says kudos to motorbike riders who ride with the right etiquette and, you know, but I won't ever see that because guess what? Remember I talked about the, the filters before? Be, yes. <laughs> well, no, the filter. The, I'm filtering everything to be a bad thing because mm. I saw it. This guy was, a, you know, and, and I know our ex-premier here, the great man, he brought that rule in back when he got it, you know, that they could drive in between cars and that now. It wasn't yeah. illegal to do that sort of stuff. But, like, you see it and you sort of think to yourself, mate, you've just saved yourself a second, you fucking idiot. Mm. Mm. But that's going into my file. So that just gives me more data that says every time I see someone on a motorbike, they're yeah, an ass clown. Mm. I love the term ass clown. Mm. I'll try not to be one, though. Well, you... you but, but anyway, look, I, what's the what's the story out of the back of this is perhaps for people to think a bit more about the two A's, awareness and adjustment, helpfulness, harmfulness, the filter, the way we filter information, because we all do it. And perhaps how do you respond to someone who perhaps they think coming from a place of good intention, they want to give you some data about somebody else. How can we respond in a way that lets them know that, hey, I don't think that that's overly useful. I think a lot of times we just take it on. We just go, oh, thanks for that. But inside you're going, fuck, I didn't really need that from you. So how do you deal with that sort of stuff without upsetting that person? Mm. Well, it's it's good stuff to think about because stuff like this, you need to have an idea how to navigate it before you're in the middle of it. Mm. Like if you've never thought about that before and then – someone puts you in that situation you're not going to come up with an answer because you're like oh and you're you're emotionally responding by then you're like you're annoyed or you're this or that I'm I'm what I'm I'm getting quite masterful at being introspective when I notice afterwards even just slight now really slight emotion like how come I paused or you know why why did I and they're not big um, reactions to things, but it can just be like, why did I feel it just a little bit defensive and or or why did I hold back or why did I pause in that interaction? What's going on there? There'll be a few things going on. One will be the old cognitive immune system will be pumping into the back into your worry <laughs> box going, what, are, what am I going to lose here rather than what am I going to gain? That, that mm-hmm. That's going to be going on because we're all looking for danger and danger could be, that if I offend or slightly upset that person, they may not like me anymore. Yeah. Versus if I tell them what I consider to be my truth, like thank you for offering to give me a bit of information about such and such. What I'd like to do is I say, look, I appreciate that you want to do that, but I need to go in fresh because a lot of my work is about understanding that it's okay to judge, but judgment can also be um, not useful. And if we're filling people up with data before they get there, it can be even worse. So yeah. 
those sorts of things I think uh, are important. So, so Peterson, I'm gonna because I, I can send you a um, when you sign up for this thing, it's ninety bucks or something, but they give you. They allow you to go and do this personality test and they give you another code to give to someone else. So I might send that code Ooh. to you and you should go and do it. But yeah. it's it's based around what they call the big five aspects of your personality. And then underneath that, there's there's sort of subsets of the aspects of your personality. And then you get a percentile score. So, you know, where would you be in the thing? So the, the, the five things are agreeableness, extroversion, conscientiousness, openness, and neuroticism, and um, on agreeableness, I scored this in the seventeenth percentile. So I'm like bottom end, as in I'm more disagreeable than I agreeable. I can know that. Yeah. <laughs> in extroversion, I scored ninety-seven in the ninety-seven percentile, so way up at the top. Conscientiousness, I scored six, so I'm like at the bottom of conscientiousness almost. Openness seventy five and neuroticism, I came in at um, at nine and uh, and I and that's like a forty page report and it goes into it actually gives you subsets of of other parts of these things. So and reason I want to talk about this is like but for us and I think this is for everyone. You've got to keep doing the work. Now again, this is data. This is where I think data. People can say it's useful or not useful, but. From time to time, maybe not often enough, maybe once a year I should do this, twice a year, maybe every couple of years, but just go back and do another one of these things and go, how'd it come out? Did you end up doing the standout one, the standout 2.0? Yeah, 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 I did. I did do that. Yeah, and I just think it's that. good to give you, like, under under agreeableness, these are some of the things that came out. You enjoy the battle. Um, you're straightforward, but you're seen as blunt at times. And you're not into leaving stuff to be sorted out later on. It's like, <laughs> if we're going to sort it out, we sort it out now. I love conscientiousness because it's just so me. This is, I was the, the dude who did his homework the night before. Usually when at uni um, with a couple of no-dos in me so I could work through the night because I had to have this <laughs> thing in. So it's like not into the detail, breaks rules, not doing yeah. stuff by the book, does it at the last minute. Tends to work best when feeling like you're under enormous pressure. And so reading through this, and I haven't got all of it here, but like I don't I had it, I sat down for an hour yesterday and here's the thing. My filter came on and I was filtering the information that was coming in from the report. Now I'm going to give you a bit of a chance of a stab in the dark here and others could think about this too. What do you reckon my filter was doing? What was it trying to do? Uh bloody argue because you're argumentative. Argument would be one thing. Arguing what? Because you don't want to be put in a box. Well, part of it's that, but it was filtering that, yes, I agree with that. Yes, I agree with that. Oh, yeah, that's me. And then there'd be other stuff I'd read. And if I get the report, and if I if I looked at it now where I've used the highlighter pen, <laughs> you will sacrifice peace and harmony to make a point of something. Um <laughs> You enjoy the battle. Like I'm highlighting all of the things that I liked. Yeah. You are unconcerned by failure. Low, low conscientiousness means you're unconcerned by failure. You chronically downplay the relationship between hard work, diligence, and success. You live in the moment. 
you're not at all judgmental. Well, I love that, but I'm fucking judgmental. So I guess the point is this, if people are going through these reports and they're doing some work on themselves, as we all should do, just be really conscious of the filter you put on it to go, yeah, that that's confirming who I am or who I want people to see me to be. Because there's some other stuff in there that, as Peterson says, it's, a, it's quite an interesting process to go through. He's five one-hour lectures. It's like one of the real reasons for doing this is you've got to start to work on the blind spots or the things that maybe you can see that you don't want to see. Mm. I want to keep doing all those things that are working for me, but what am I not prepared to see at the moment? What I find difficult about self-evaluating questionnaires is I'm really aware in the moment. I'm like, hang on, am I like this or do I want to be like this? Yeah. Am I like this or do I or do I want to be like this? Like, and that's a hard, that's really hard to know. But when, well, then when you get a statement that you are this, it's easy to go, yeah, yeah, yep, see, oh, this yeah. is so me, this is so me. It's like why people reading star signs can all relate because they're like, oh, this is, yeah, that's totally me. Interestingly, there were some pretty um, strict instructions before you did this about, you know, giving yourself space to do it on your own and that, but there was like just being really aware of what your mental state is right now because if yeah. you are agitated, it'll change the way that you do it. I know with Standout 2.0 and um, one of the things that might be worth doing in your episode notes on this one, because that's a free assessment, is whack that yeah. in there for people to do. Like I've used that with people. I, I think it's a, like a 20-minute survey. You do it for free, but it's I find it really insightful. It gives you your nine strengths, your top two. At times what do you reckon people, my top two are? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I reckon I'm, I'm going to take a guess. I'm, I'm a I'm a teacher provider. My sense is I I would have thought you'd have some teacher in you. Would that be right? Teacher's my number one. Yep. Um, pioneer. No stimulator. Wow, wait. There you go. Stimulators are the hosts of others' emotions. They feel responsible for them for turning them around and elevating. Which is bang on for what I said before about. You know, with people like Jordan going, well, he, I don't see him doing that, so I feel bothered about mm. people's emotional response to his coldness. Yep. Which makes sense. Teacher stimulator. Yeah, look, I've, I just, again, for the listeners, click on the link and go and do it. And, and here's the thing. I, I think you made a super point before. Don't answer the questions on how you want to be seen or how you'd like to be answer the questions truthfully on how you are today. I've had people that have done it and then I, cause I, I use it as a coaching tool cause I, I'm big on coaching for strengths. And sometimes people get really surprised with what comes out and they go, I didn't realize that was my strength. But then we dig underneath, they go, yeah, no, I can see that now. But the ones who come in and with their report and I'm like, I don't say this to them. We'll just work through it. But I'm like, they've done the old, this is who I want to be. Mm. And you're working through it and you can just, you can actually observe that the it's not aligning. How do you approach that? How do you massage that into there so that they can obviously, obvious, I would assume that they would want to move into that direction or do they just think they're there? Um, I'm not sure. So it could be a couple of things. They might want to move in that direction or it could also be they think that that's what you need to be to fit into whatever uh, your role is that you're playing or to be accepted. So how do I deal with that? Um, when I, my first thing I do is I give that instruction I gave before, which is 
answer the questions truthfully. And, you know, they, they have some little tricks in them. So there's sort of similar questions along the way. They, they, they pick you up on algorithms and things. So, you know, if you try and bullshit it too much, it picks you up. But you've just got to tell people up front, like, this is important that you are as honest as you can be with this. And then when we get into it, like, oh, I'll, I'll go back to my um, my agreeableness here. I'll be pretty blunt with it and say, hey, look, with the work that we've been doing so far and my observations of you, usually I'm coaching people after some interaction somewhere else, some things aren't aligning here. And and what do you think? And, and then reminding them of mm. – why have you done it this way? And people will go, and they'll go back and do it again, and it'll come out differently. They still might have one of the one of the factors, one of the strength factors, but they won't be both. Mm. See, and I think if I go back to awareness and adjustment, being helpful to people is to tell them the truth and go, this isn't really aligning with what I've observed, and here's a couple of reasons why. Like someone will want to come in there and talk about the fact that they're, you know, that they're 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 happy to speak up and. But you don't ever see that. Yeah. You're like, do you want to be more like that? And they go, yes. Well, so that's we can work on that. Yeah. But it's not one of your strengths now. So we can help you to get better. Doesn't mean you're going to be great at it. It might be that you just, I shouldn't say just, but you're now it's at an acceptable level. So I think things like that are really useful. But I've got to dig through. I'm going to read like you are doing with your book. I'm going to read through this report four or five times. My next go is going to be now highlight the stuff where you go, yeah, but I don't really need that. Because it's not necessarily what I think. It could be a lot what other people think. Like, you know, Mm. your attention to detail isn't great, Mark. Your conscientiousness and professionalism at times isn't the best. Well, it's also, also, do you want to get better at it or do you just need to be aware of it so that you can manage circumstances, expectations? You know, like I'm me and details in in a lot of senses. I spend time evaluating, trying to change something, and then eventually go, oh, hang on a minute, this is just causing me tension and friction. How can I manage it a better way? How can I just manage not be, it not being a strength? Yeah. But, well, for me, sense? yeah, it does. But see, for, for me, and I look at it, I think what you're saying makes absolute sense. Is, Can't be fucking ace at everything. Here's, what I, here's, what I, here's my basic rule on this stuff. When I read teacher provider, and I'll, I'm, I want to be the best teacher provider I can be. So what I want to do is I want to continue to get incrementally better, and I don't like that word, whatever it means. I want to get incrementally better at that stuff that I do exceptionally well. I also want to look at it and go, I want to identify one thing in there that I used to call in the workplace a career killer. One thing that I need to become acceptable at average at even like it just just the average just to get to average on that thing but too often we get taught to work on the weaknesses and we'll get you all up to average versus i want to like teacher provider is when i read the teacher provider it's just like that is me that's not a field that's me to a t and what can i do now to become even better at that stop trying to become average but identify a career killer and just get someone to help you with that, I say, but keep getting better at the things you're great at. And that's why I like strength, uh, this um, standout one of um, Marcus Buckingham's ex-Gallup, because it's a huge focus on on your strengths. And, you know, he, let's go back to data. If you coach people for strengths, you get about a 24 to 30% 
uplift in their productivity. And the main reason is, is if you keep highlighting what they do well, they do more of it. Mm. Mm. And we only ever use data, like we went back at the start with your Garmin, when it suits us. But there's a whole lot of behavioral things that would come into that as well that would create that data. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm going to read a lot more about, about this because, um, you know, when I just read the snapshot of the provider and the stimulator, they're almost leaning on each other. It's hard to differentiate the difference. But there's like, I've got a 15 page report in front of me and I'm reading two tiny, tiny paragraphs. But um, I've got to go now. So we can't do. do it now. No way. Was that a we'll podcast? Come back to this. Oh, no. Do you want to start a podcast? No, that's just cool. having a chat. <laughs> I like that. Well, you go off and do your thing. And when, when's your motorbike turning up? Uh, Saturday. I'm sure we'll see some Instagram work with that. Can you get, uh, you're going to get a little trailer to put uh, Luna and Bear on as well? <laughs> little sidecar. <laughs> oh, I hope so. All right. You better go because you got to go. You got three minutes to your next meeting and I'm going to go and um, I'm going to go. I've got to fix up. I've got no flexion in my ankles at all. So I've got to go and do some exercises that shit me to tears, but I know they're important. Thank you, Dylan, the osteo <laughs> who's given me the there, Tiff. See you, mate. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. See you, people. Well, we we went all sorts of places there. Data out of bloody watches that are no longer working and now I can't see the data and I don't know if I'm doing well or if I'm doing poorly or what's going on and how much we're caught up with data. You know, my data about my heart rate and if I couldn't see it, would I work as hard? Data is important, but sometimes maybe we get too caught up. Perhaps Tiff had a good night's sleep but if it woke well rested, but if the data said she didn't, would she then not believe that? So just be careful about how much we get caught up in the data. Um, the Strength Finder or the Standout 2.0, the Marcus Buckingham Company free assessment. Going to put a link in the show notes for this one, folks. I really suggest it's free. It's 20 minutes of your time. Be honest with it. It is something that is an absolute go-to for me not for just me using it on myself, but using it with my ex-employees at, back in the corporate days, but also these days with some clients. If you want to answer this honestly, it gives you an absolute gold mine of information around your strengths. And I'm big on coaching for strengths rather than coaching for weaknesses and trying to get people to average and all that other sort of crap. So have a crack at it, see what you think. Uh, shoot us a line if you want to talk a bit more about it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, we freestyle as we do the motorbikes and Tiff buying a motorbike and she's loving that. And I know she's headed off to Tassie and having a lot of fun, but uh, I just hope that, that she's going to be okay. I, I don't think she quite liked it when I said that they were death on wheels. But that's sort of been my experience and that's the story that I go to. Just as I finish this one up, have a think about this as well. How often do you read stuff about yourself and and get romanced by the things that you agree with and ignore the stuff that you don't like? For me, that's nearly all the time. For you, I'm not sure, but start to challenge yourself to allow some of that information not to be filtered out, but to be filtered in so you can get better, whatever better means of what you're doing or how you're choosing to be. Hey, if you love this one, why not rate it five stars and shoot us a little note about what you loved about it. Share it with your friends. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical, and keep it human. Bye for now.